Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sally James and thank you for downloading today's show. Loads going on. We're going to be looking ahead to Fulham's game against Crystal Palace on Saturday at Craven Cottage. A massive one for Scott Parker and the boys. Can we get our first win of the season? Dom is going to be speaking to Dyer Kurnaz from the Back of the Nest Crystal Palace podcast to get an opposition lowdown on everything that's happening over in the Palace camp. Uh, and also really exciting on the show today, uh, Jack Collins caught up with Tyler Adams, who you might know plays for the US men's national team and RB Leipzig. Uh, he had a chat with him about two people playing for Fulham that he knows very well. Adam Ola Lookman, who was his teammate at RB Leipzig, and Anthony Robinson, who he's played with in the US side. Um, some great insight there. It's just five, six minutes, but really, really interesting little chat uh, talking about two new players that I imagine most of us are pretty excited about this season at Craven Cottage. Um, in the news, of course, this week with Fulham has been the squad announcements. It's probably been the biggest talking point on all things FFC this week. Uh, Scott Parker chose his 25-man squad. And of course, with roughly 29, 30 players to pick from, he had to make some omissions. Maybe a element of poor planning there from the club to have too many players for the squad. Um, it seems a bit of a strange one that we didn't let more players go when it was inevitable that now they won't be able to play um, in the Premier League. Uh, the big omissions were, of course, all in midfield. Kevin McDonald, Steph Johansson, Josh Onoma and John Mikel Seri. What a fall from grace for him now cannot be selected for Premier League games um, until January when we can change the rules. Um, Josh Onoma looks like he's got a big injury. We don't really know the extent of it at the moment, which is a bit frustrating, really. Not many updates from the club on that one at the time of recording, but obviously really unfortunate for him. He was such a star in the playoff run in particular, and I think everyone had high hopes for him this season. Hopefully, though, when he does return to fitness, Fulham can find a way to get him back into the 25-man squad. But of course, who do you drop? Maybe it's one of the defence. It's raised a few eyebrows that Fulham picked seven potential centre-backs for two centre-back slots, yet five potential centre midfielders for three central midfield slots. Uh, and, and it's an end maybe to the era of Kevin McDonald and Steffi Hansen as well. And two players that have served us so well at Craven Cottage over the years. So many great memories, particularly in the promotion year under Slavisi Jakanovic. Who can forget Kevin McDonald's absolute screamer uh, against Millwall and, and so many great Steffi Hansen moments as well, particularly uh, Norwich away always sticks in my mind uh, not just the goal but also uh, the way he just riled up the entire Norwich City team including James Madison um, and it's really sad to see them that they're just going to be kind of languishing at Motspur Park until January really and there was no deal able to be found for them to either go on loan or move to another club back in the championship or abroad or anything like that so I guess potentially there may be options in in transfer windows that are still open if there are any but yeah seems it seems a real shame and a little bit of poor planning from, from Fulham um, 
And we'll have we'll have to wait and see what all of their futures are, particularly for Jean-Michel Serri as well. Bought for twenty-five million pounds two years ago, and now can't even get into the Premier League squad. It uh, really, really has been a uh, torrid couple of years for him ever since he moved from Nice. So uh, having a look at Palace this weekend, and Palace had a strong start to the season, but haven't been great um, in recent games. One or draw against Brighton for them at the weekend uh, with Brighton get, getting a late equaliser. But Palace didn't play well uh, in the match. And and you have to look at it as potentially a game where Fulham can get three points. Of course, Palace are, are a good team on their day and they won at Old Trafford not not so long ago, only a few weeks ago. And they've got a manager that we all know and love in Roy Hodgson. And we know that uh, Roy knows how to set up a team well and uh, they're always going to be difficult to beat but if Fulham are to stay in the league then these are the kind of games you have to win you could say we maybe blew one of those opportunities against Aston Villa although with hindsight and the results that they've produced since then maybe that result doesn't look quite as bad as it did on the day but two home games Palace and West Brom if you are to stay in the Premier League if you're to have a chance of staying in the Premier League they're the kind of games that you do need to get a result from so Crossing over to Dom now, who spoke to Dyer Kurnaz from the Back of the Nest podcast. And he started off by asking him what he's made of Palace's start to the season. Well, it was a good two games. Um, people were living in the moment. But going into the season, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have high expectations because of what we've seen um, with Roy Hodgson at Palace. Um, of course, beat, beat Man United away from home. Um, then we go, um, you know, beat Southampton at home. But then again, you play Everton, you play Brighton and it's the same old Palace. Um, it's what we've seen on the Roy Hodgson for at least a decent good year or two now um, where we're scared to go and play football, even though I feel like we've got the place to go and do so. Um, and yeah, it's it's boring and it's frustrating as well to watch as a Palace fan because lots of Palace fans at this stage, yes, it's all good staying up, but... I know some people just want to be entertained and we're just simply not entertained on the Roy Hodgson because of the type of football that he plays. So it's been a frustrating start for many people. For, but for me, I'm just used to it. At this point, going into the season, I was expecting this and I'm just going to, you know, hope that it ends sooner rather than later this season. And then after the season, Roy Hodgson just parts away and we go with a different manager because it's just same old, same old, really. Yeah, obviously we we know each other for a couple of few years now, and yeah, yeah it, you've always you've always been a critic of Roy Hodgson. Not necessarily that he's he's doing bad, but you just sort of need the next step now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it depends on what you want because I, let's say you know if we were Fulham and at this stage, I guess you guys would take Roy Hodgson because you want to stay up. You just got promoted. You want to stay up, and he's the right man. Of course, he's the right man because. He manages, his defensive work is absolutely brilliant and he'll manage to keep you up. But when you're in the Premier League for seven to eight years, it comes to a certain stage, you're like, what are we here for? Is it every year the same thing? Stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. And at this stage, I don't think Palace fans even care that much about staying up. We just want to see us go and do something different. It's nearly a decade of us having the same objective. Let's go out there and try something. I understand we're not going to be a top four side or top six side, but at this point, I don't think we'll be upset if we go out there and try something and then get relegated as a result of it. But of course, the owners wouldn't want that because as I said, it's just it's just dull watching the same thing, Dom, over and over again. Yeah, see from the out from the outside looking at Palace, it's like it's a team you always know who are gonna stay up, but can they can they make that push to the top to the top ten? 
and it hasn't really happened. Obviously, there was that amazing that was that season under was it was it was it Tony Pulis where you had that where you came in and sort of miraculously Tony was season. I think that game where we beat you guys four one was that it was it was I think it was like seven years ago yesterday, and then that yeah. sort of turned your season around, and then our season completely fell fell apart. Then you guys went on that went on an amazing run under Pulis and. Yeah, with Palace, it's always, it's always. I'm always interested to see because obviously it's a team I know can will stay up. I think I think most fans do because you've got Roy Hodgson at the helm. But yeah, it's about the next step. So a, a player, obviously, that everyone talks about when it comes to Palace is Wilfred Zaha. Were you surprised mm. that he remained at the club this summer? Well, I don't know. I want to say I was surprised, but I don't think I was that surprised because looking back at it, you can't. You know, you can't go if there's no real interest there. We want around at least fifty million pounds for Wilfred Zaha. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm another club trying to buy Wilf, I understand why I wouldn't pay that much because when you look at his goals and assists, he simply hasn't got enough um goals and assists last season and um he didn't have the greatest of season. So of course you wouldn't pay fifty million during the coronavirus pandemic. But of course, we use this as a PR stunt kind of thing where we're saying, look, it was a good window because we kept Zaha. But then again, I feel like you could keep Zaha, Dom, if he was the chairman or um, or if anyone else was the chairman because there wasn't any real interest there. And even going into um, this season, I wasn't that worried. I wasn't really that worried because I know that we value him very highly. So, yeah, I wasn't that surprised about um, us keeping Wilfred Zaha. But of course, will we be able to keep him further on? It depends on what Palace value him because as of now, I don't think any club is still going to come and pay us £50 million. But then again, there's a dilemma where he's turning 28, 29 soon and his value is only going to drop. So do we go and get as much as we can get right now or do we keep him for as long as we want? That's the um, decision, decision that the club needs to decide on. But personally, I don't mind Wolf staying at the club. I'm happy with him staying at the club because I still feel like he's got top quality in him and he's shown glimpses so far this season. When he's up front, um, like Roy Hodgson has put him um, this season. And when he can actually have that freedom to go forward, he's a very good player. And last season, it was purely down to tactics, really, why I didn't get the goals and assists, because he was asked so much to go uh, go back and defend. And this season, we can see it. Once you put Zaha in a position where he can go and attack, he will deliver. And he has so far. But then again, you look at the last two, three games, um, it's not only Zaha, no one has delivered because we've gone back to the old Roy Hodgson style or just defending um, for the whole 90 minutes. So if we, if we look at if we look at the game on Saturday, do, do you think it can be underestimated how big how big a win would be for both sides? Mm. I feel I feel like I don't want to say six pointer, but at this stage of the season, I can't imagine us losing this game. And also for you guys, I can imagine that you don't want to lose this game as well because um, you look at your fixture list. Palace are a team that you should be um, beating, and when we look at it, with all due respect, Fulham should we should be being Fulham because you're 20th in the league, you've been conceding goals, you've got one point in five games, so you know both teams want to get the three points. So I feel like this is a massive game in a way where if either side loses, if Palace lose, then I can just see Palace Twitter going absolutely toxic. But the real questions will be asked about Roy Hodgson. Will he be able to still keep us up? Um, many Palace fans still think that, but then again. The way that we're playing right now, it doesn't look too promising. We've only had two shots in two games. And you look at the teams that we played, yes, it's Brighton. Um, they're not that great. And then Chelsea, they've been conceding goals as well. So there's no excuse for having at least one shot against Chelsea when they've conceded three against West Brom. Um, you know, they've conceded a couple of goals against Southampton. So it depends on how this game goes along. But for Palace, from a Palace perspective, this game, Palace needs to show a real attacking intent. And if we do, then I feel like... Um, we can go and get the points. But of course, that's a massive if. But the pressure's on us. 
So if we, if we look at transfer deadline day for us, obviously we signed Ruben Loftus-Cheek, mm. a player that Palace fans know very well. Where would you say that Ruben Loftus-Cheek's best position is? Well, for Palace, he played in a 4-4-2 system. Um, Roy Hodgson put him out wide. And out wide, he was absolutely brilliant. Down the left-hand side, where he can just dribble and cut him with the ball. He's got tremendous talent on the ball. I'm telling you, this guy, if he's injury-free, he can be a very, very, very good footballer for you guys. Um, because creatively, you know, going forward, he will create them chances. But the only thing with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, maybe it depends on the style of football that you guys play, of course, is that he's not the greatest defensive player in terms of tracking back and um, helping out the defenders. I don't think you'll get much um, from that position. But if he's playing out wide or even a central position, even though I didn't see my Palace, but I can, I can imagine him playing in a central position as well. He's so comfortable on the ball and he's actually so physically big as well, where you can't just body him off the ball, where he'll be absolutely amazing for you guys. And I'm actually looking forward to it because I feel like Ruben Loftus-Cheek is very slept on in the Premier League by other teams because of his injury pass. But at Palace, in, a, in, a, in his short term there, he did really perform. And I hope that he performed once again because I've got a, you know, as Palace fans, we've got a soft spot for Ruben um, because of how we've done at Palace. So if we obviously we've spoken about it a couple of times that, you know, your failure to just be able to get shots on target this season. <laughs> what do you, what do you think that's down to? Is it the yeah. tactics? Is it the players you've got at the club? What, what do you think the problem is? Uh, see, I don't think we've got players that are that bad though. Like we've got Wilfred Zaha, we've got Michi Batshuayi that we signed. Uh, you know, Andros, he's an experienced Premier League player. We've got Jeffrey Slup, he's got pace. But then again, I know it's not the um, player that you think of. Wow, it's Jeffrey Slup you got in your team. But I still feel like we've got good enough squads where we can go and counter teams. But it's purely down to tactics. Um, there's no excuse for that. I mean, if you're in the Premier League, those players should at least be able to create more than one shot a game. And against Brighton last game, we only had one shot. And I think, I can't remember, but... It might not be in a penalty, but we scored from a penalty. That's it. We scored from a penalty and we just sat back for the whole 90 minutes. And this is what I mean. When you got players like Wilfred Zaha and Jeffrey Schlapp and Michi Batshuayi, I'm also worried about them players because can you imagine playing for this Palace side where you're an attacking creative player, but then again, you can't go and attack and create because of how much you're asked to go and defend. So for that reason, um, I feel like we've struggled um, tactically uh, due to Roy Hodgson just telling the players to go and sit back and defend. But of course... It has got us results to keep us up in the past, but whether that will happen this season, only time will tell. But fingers crossed it does happen because, as I said before, my expectation for this season is for us to finish 17th and above um, because that's all I think that we can do with this manager. I feel like a manager matters a lot. If you put a different manager in this Palace side, we may be worse, but we can also be better because this side, I'm not saying it's the greatest side, of course, but it has got some talent there to work with. And right now, Roy Hodgson isn't getting the best out of it. Yeah, so that's, that's, as I said, we spoke about it before. I feel like this, I expect this to be Hodgson's last season at Palace. I can't see, although, again, it's, it depends what your owner's ambitions are, really, doesn't it? Because cause they, cause they know you've got a manager who can keep you up in the league. Like, what we know what Roy Hodgson's ability is when it comes to keeping players in the league. Obviously, for us, he's one of our best ever, he's potentially our best ever, one of our best ever managers getting us to a European final mm-hmm. and things like that. Albeit that was, that was, that was 10 years ago now, but he took us from that, from relegation in a couple of years. I, re- I really just think it, yeah, it matters. You know, is your the owners backing the transfer market, and obviously the owners. What are their ambitions? Are their ambitions to take you to the top ten, or is their ambition simply just to get the Premier League monies every season, and not actually push you on to the to the next stage? Um, one 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 player at Palace that's well, one area at Palace that's always interested me is obviously the goalkeeping situation. You obviously, mm-hmm. I feel like you never you never seem to have like a 
dead cert number one. <laughs> you always yeah. it's so I mean obviously there's the likes of Hennessy, then there's also obviously uh, Gaeta, and you've also signed Jack Butland. Do you think Jack Butland is a signing who you're expecting to to push and maybe get the number one jersey by the end of the season? Well, he's actually got the number one jersey in terms of kit number. He, we were giving him number one. Uh, but in terms of end of season, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But with the Butland deal, there's no real pressure on Butland. And I'm looking forward to it in a way because he signed for around £500,000, which sounds crazy because a couple of seasons ago, we we're talking about Jack Butland being a £20 million player. So he basically signed for nothing. Um, I guess he'll be a second option right now because Vicente Guaita is our main goalkeeper. He saved us last season as well as Jordan Ayew and keeping us up. Without them two players right now, I wouldn't be speaking to you because we'll be in the championship. Um, so they had a massive role. So I don't feel like Vicente Guaita will lose his position because of how good it's been. But Jack Butland is only 27 years old. So in the future, there could be a chance, um, you know, a spot for him because he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper. And we'll see how he develops because I've got high hopes for him still because of the less pressure that he's got on his shoulders now that he's at a new club and new surroundings. Um, not a big money move as well. So not many people will be talking about it. So hopefully in a season or two, yes, Button will start. But for this season, I don't see it happening. If we look at the game on the weekend, what players with Fulham should be, should be most worried about but obviously aren't the obvious options such as Wilfred Zaha? Um, it's a very good question. It depends on what side you get. Uh, I guess when you look at a Brighton game, if I'm talking about the Brighton game, you would not really be worried about anyone apart from maybe Jaira Riederwald, who's a midfielder, um, joined from Ajax, but really hasn't started consistently on the Roy Hodgson, but he absolutely bossed the midfield, so he was absolutely fantastic there, Riederwald. And maybe Jeffrey Schlupp, you know, on his day, maybe if Fulham are pushing forward, he's got he's got massive pace on him. So if he can run down the left-hand side, he can cause problems. And he has got a couple goals as well. So it's not as bad as people make him out to be. Um, so I'll say Jairo Riedewald in midfield. And if you're looking at pace, maybe someone to get worried about, I'll say Jeffrey Schlupp down the left-hand side because he, him and Wilfred Zaha both down the left-hand side. Wilf will be, of course, more of an attacking player and Jeffrey Schlupp will be more of a wide player. So yeah, both of them players... Um, Oh, three of them you should watch out for. Obviously, if we, if we look at the reverse of that, obviously you're, you're looking at this Fulham team. Yes, we've only got 1.5 games, but obviously we played fairly well against Sheffield United on mm. the weekend. Probably could have won that game. Is there players in this side who really worry you if you're analysing the way you've played so far this season? I'll be honest. I wouldn't say I'm worried about those players. But then again, when, when you're looking at Palace, I don't think the players really matter as much because as we've seen it, this Brighton team that we face, they don't even have great players themselves, um, in all honesty. Yes, they have got a couple of good players. Uh, Lamptey is, is a brilliant player, but when you learn as a whole, they haven't got that many great players. But I'm just more worried about tactically. I'm more worried about your manager. And of course, as I said, Ruben loves the sheet. You've got, you got players that want to be worried about as well, Mitrovic as well. But I'm more worried about the tactical side of games rather than individual players. Um, I'm thinking about how Scott Parker will approach this game, how Roy Hodgson will approach this game. Because I'm all honestly... I can see us going into this game and potentially sitting back. And is that going to damage Palace? It may because of, you know, you say that you play out from the back. So if you keep the ball and we struggle to keep possession, then, you know, I would be worried. But I wouldn't really say 
that I'm worried about the player side of things, more tactics. So if we're, if we're looking at the Palace team on Saturday, what sort of lineup are you expecting Hodgson to field? Um, Hodgson, uh, I'm expecting the same lineup really, the centre white and goal, Joe Ward as right back with Cahill as centre back with Chaco Kiate and the youngster Mitchell at left back, Slop at uh, left mid, and then Jairo Reedworld and McArthur at centre mid, and then Andros Townsend out wide, and then Michi Batshuayi and Zaha up front. That's what I'm predicting. Um, but whether it'll work um, better than it did against Brighton, I guess, as I said, it would just be down to how we approach this game. Will we sit back or we will actually actually pressure Fulham? Yeah, and obviously one last one one last question. What, what's your score prediction for the game? Yeah, score prediction. <laughs> of course, I'm predicting a Palace win because we need to win this game as much as you guys do. I don't know if we'll you know concede a goal. I said two one on our channel, but the only positive so far this season has been that we are solid defensive side. But let's say we were to concede a goal, I feel like on the counter because of you guys pressuring us. I could see um, Jeffrey Schlott maybe being a problem with his pace um, and Wilf um, Zaha, who will you know live up to these games and try and get goals. So I feel like 2-1 Paris would be a good result. but And I also wouldn't be surprised if we lose 2-1 as well. It's that type of game where, um, you know, if we win 2-1, yes, that means we're on a day, but losing 2-1 would be typical Palace. Well, thank you very much to Dom and Dyer from Back of the Nest podcast uh, for an opposition view on all things Eagles ahead of the weekend's game. Be really interesting to see who Scott selects for this one. You feel like he's pretty much there with his starting 11 and we played well, especially in the second half in the game against Sheffield United. Um, although potentially I wouldn't be surprised to see a change on the right-hand side. Cavalera did not have one of his best games. Uh, maybe it's suited for someone like Bubakar Kamara to, to come in and maybe provide a bit more service uh, to Mitrovic. But you, you'd, you'd expect someone like Lookman again to, to get the nod. He was just so excellent. And and the midfield pairing of, of Kearney and Gisa uh, with Loftus-Cheek ahead of them worked as well. So I wouldn't make too many changes to, to what I saw last Sunday personally but yeah we'll have to wait and see till two o'clock tomorrow to find out okay after the break Jack is going to be speaking to Tyler Adams from Leipzig and the US men's national team if you enjoy Fulhamish and listen to us on Apple Podcasts please consider giving us a positive rating and review it really helps us to reach new Fulham fans across the world if you don't use Apple but want to give us a review head to the Fulhamish Facebook page and give us a rating there instead thank you Tyler, thanks so much for, for jumping on with me and uh, giving some info to Fulhamish. It's uh, a real delight to, to have you on. Um, and really, after today, I think Fulham fans are wildly excited about Adamola Lookman. I know he's a, a teammate of yours at Leipzig and I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts because it looks like Fulham have a gem on their hands here. Yeah, he's definitely a gem. And unfortunately, um, when he was here at Leipzig, he wasn't finding uh, the pitch too often. And I think that obviously set him back a little bit. But now I think that he's made a, a great move, obviously, back to England uh, and London, his home. Uh, so he'd be closer to his family and his friends. Um, but to have the opportunity to have a coach that, you know, hopefully believes in him because they really wanted him, of course. And I remember having chats with him um, when he was here. And yeah, I mean, he's an absolute top player, one of the best players that I've played with. From a technical standpoint, um, speed-wise, with the ball, um, he's such a dangerous player and definitely a fun player to play with. Yeah, I mean, just one-on-one, he looks to take on players constantly. And we've only seen him in kind of brief cameos, but every time he gets the ball, you know, edge of the seat stuff. Yeah, like I said, he's a great player to play with. Not so much fun to defend, though. Um, You know, he can go either way. And I think that's what makes him so talented is, you know, you see a lot of wingers that only want to play on the left and maybe cut in, and they're a little bit predictable with him. 
you don't know what he's going to do. It's a scissor and going to the left, a cut and going to the right. Um, so both feet, very talented, very quick, um, and a top 1v1 player, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those ones where I can imagine training. You know, everyone's delighted, obviously, around the club to have a player yeah. of this kind of quality. And it was, it felt like it was kind of on and off for weeks. You know, the first kind of rumors of it happened about three weeks ago. Yeah. And we all got very excited and then it died off and then it came back. And you were thinking yeah. just the Fulham defenders must be waiting for training being like, don't know if I fancy this. <laughs> he's, one, he's one of those guys, man, I swear. Like, you know, you would go into training on those days and we would have 1v1 drill set up and you're just like, Adam Ole, you know for a fact, is going to score five every single time he has a chance. Like, he's going to put it away. And, you know, he's just one of those players. He's fun to watch. Like, you know, if you're when you have crowds and you have uh, uh, a lot of energy behind him, uh, he's, he's, you're going to hear a lot of awes and a lot of oohs from him because, you know, he has so many different tricks up his sleeve and he's such an unpredictable player. Yeah, I mean, in front of I was one of those things today where I've been able to quiz you on on two players that you know well because yeah. it, you know he came on and he was playing in front of Anthony Robinson, who's obviously an international teammate of yours. He's you know kind of new in the camp as well has has been impressive in a lot of his cameos, made his Premier League kind of bow today, and again just very impressive, even in a slightly unfamiliar position in the kind of left of a back three. Yeah, so Anthony's another top player, a top guy as well. Um, for me, I've had the opportunity to play with him at the international level, like you said, and um, he brings some interesting qualities to a team. Um, his energy going up and down that flank, it's, it's nonstop. And, you know, whenever you can have outside backs that um, are good in, in the attack and want to attack, but also are good at defending, um, that's a huge energy boost to the team. So um, he has a good mentality, a good head on his shoulders, um, and his ability to develop is only going to go up and up now with his opportunity to play. So um, I'm excited to see him continue to develop. I mean, you know, much like yourself, I suppose, a versatile player. You could do a, you've done a lot of different, different roles for Leipzig. And I think yeah. what we're starting to see is two players here that can, can kind of fit in around a different kind of model. And you can, you could see Anthony as a wing back. And we saw that a little bit more at Wigan and, and then as a kind of normal left back in the national team. And now in this kind of left center back role, someone who's capable of, of doing a lot of different things. Yeah, and I think as a player in the modern game today, you have to have the ability to adapt to to multiple systems or else you're just not going to be able to be in multiple starting 11s. And Anthony is one of those players where he's versatile, man. He can play, you know, in that left wing back role, which is which is his almost normal position. In a back four, he's he's comfortable as well. And yeah, I mean, he can slot in as a, as a center back at, at times as well because, um, you know, he wins balls in the air, he's good in a tackle, um, and he's fearless. So he's one of those guys that can play multiple positions for sure. Uh, very exciting. You must be uh, a little bit excited to watch a, a little bit more of Fulham this season. Yeah, I mean, today, you know, I grew up an Arsenal fan because of Thierry Henry and uh, Arsenal was playing Sheffield today. And I just turned on the Fulham game because, you know, Adam Ole is playing now. So um, it's good to have friends that I can support and watch. And obviously Anthony there as well. When I saw he was in the starting lineup um, against a good side in Wolves, it's so good to watch him go up against some of these top teams now. OK, final question for you. Adam Ole's best position? Because because we've seen him off the left then and he kind of moved into the middle, into the 10 role behind Mitrovic. And obviously Mitrovic wins a lot of, uh, of knockdowns, a lot of balls in the yeah. air and kind of plays off. Would, it be, would you say his, his best position is on the left or, or through the middle? Yeah, no, his best position is definitely on the left. But again, he's one of those guys that's dangerous all over. I mean, for me, it's like wherever you can get him the most touches on the ball, that's where he has to play. So um, I think in that Fulham team, um, if he can play out wide left, he's going to create a lot of chances for, for the team. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for, for joining us today. A real pleasure. And the door is always open if you want to add to the full America contingent, right? You know where, you know where to find us. <laughs> of course, maybe one day. <laughs> ah, well, we live in hope, all right? We live in yeah. hope. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yep, you got it. Thank you.
Well, thank you very much to Jack and Tyler. Um, kudos to Jack for for managing to to get that interview out the bag. Hell of a coup uh, by him to to speak to a player of such pedigree. And I, I like that bit at the end as well about uh, potentially becoming a, a black and white player in the future. Um, he didn't rule it out, did he? Didn't rule it out. So uh, if it does happen, then uh, maybe a, a little bit of a signing on fee needs to, to go to Mr. Jack Collins uh, for, for just, uh, you know, placing the idea in his head early doors. I mean, he's, he's an excellent player. And uh, if we we're ever to see him at Craven Cottage, uh, we would certainly be uh, very, very lucky indeed. A hell of a player and uh, great to get that kind of insight on, on Lookman and on Robinson. He speaks so highly of, of Lookman as well. We have a hell of a player here for the season. So such a shame we don't have an option on him, but we can enjoy him for for the 10 months or so that he will be playing his football in Southwest London. So uh, on Sunday night, I'm going to be hosting the pod looking back at the Crystal Palace game. And I know I mentioned in the last podcast that we had an exciting announcement to be made in this podcast. Uh, It's been delayed a week, but it's 100% happening this time next week. Uh, We have a really, really exciting Fulhamish announcement to tell you all about. And I can't wait to reveal it to you all. So have a good weekend. Fingers crossed Fulham can get that first win of the season. Come on, you guys. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.